The Language of Deceit Notes and Extracts Park Life and Weekends Due to family duties, I avoided the first day of the weekend's motoring event, which involved a tour driving overly loud cars around overly spacious buildings. Taking off from the railway station, they would visit 15 major distilleries. Following further contemplation, I could not decide if driving classic cars from the home of whiskey to the next home of whiskey was really a good idea. I guess it depends on how many stops you make or don't make. The water of life, contrary to popular opinion, is not whiskey. It is actually just water. Alcohol, which was once very limited in availability, and originally the basis for many alchemic medicines, now proliferates the world, and is sadly one of the major factors contributing to sickness and disease. Just look back at how the communists used it as one of the most successful opiates for the masses. It is interesting now how it is romanticized as a cultural phenomena and an essential export. Anyway, popular opinion is usually more prevalent than my opinion, and the marketing appears to have worked. In my experience, however, alcohol just tends to ruin the next day, if not your whole life. I wondered if the police ever made a habit of pulling over classic cars to check for the obvious. We have all seen those classic films where the couple drive off into the countryside in their open-top mobiles with the picnic hamper full of brie, biscuits and Bordeaux. Later that evening, my mother reminded me about the will again. Parents can be annoyingly pertinent. Well, trying to focus on the power of positive thinking, I at least noticed that the weather had been relatively dry. The next day, on a surprisingly crystal clear morning, Two cars were polished outside and in, and then were driven in the misty dawn through twisting valleys. Their destination, another Scottish castle with nice lawns, where the day's registration would be completed, and the previous day's notes compared, stories shared, and tips given. A host of fresh and friendly faces greeted the drivers, and following the formalities, each participant received a little plastic bag. 
Further investigation revealed the following interesting contents. A coffee ticket. Good morning. A meal ticket. Good afternoon. A small bottle of 10-year-old single malt. Good, probably, at any time. And shortbread. Short, but not really bread. Also within was a day program with information about the 300-plus cars and a detailed map and route plan, which would be quite useless as long as you followed the leader and the leader knew where he was going. Well, that was that. Something for everyone, then. After coffee, I made a brief study of the most beautiful beasts of the historic engines that were reflecting the glory of the morning sunshine. It must be said that those vehicles of the past, especially pre-1930, were true works of art and labors of love for life. Following a tour along forgotten roads of the surrounding countryside and a swift, sweet lunch, we arrived at our final destination, yet another castle. As I drove down the channel that separated the eras and epochs of human invention, cameras clicked and I was for a few moments blinded and bewildered. Was I in a time machine? After regaining my senses, I parked slowly and carefully in spot 191 amongst hundreds of classic automobiles from the 20th century. I sat bemused and admired and observed. First, there were the antics of various unusual precision parking and reparking techniques, with hands being waved in all directions, like when a plane lands on an aircraft carrier. Next, the polishing and repolishing and polishing again, and finally the chairs and rugs came out, and the people sat with satisfaction next to their objects of immense pride and glory. I was parked next to three other classics, all nicer than mine. Leaving my vehicle in search of safety, sanity and anonymity, I wandered between the crowds, idly catching snippets of conversation about top speeds, engine size, year of construction, model number, horsepower, grunt, starting temperature and how far you have to travel to get spare parts or see a potential new buy. In addition, huddled judges with strangely silent and secret facial expressions passed between the vehicles, discussing the merit and value of each. It seemed that a lucky few might actually win something, albeit something that they probably did not need. From the curiosity of browsing and chatting, I gleamed that there are essentially two kinds of owner of historic wheels. 
the kind that loves old cars, and the kind that loved their old car, or cars. The difference is soon easy to spot and hear. Regarding the actual event, I must say that it was uh, well-oiled. It ran very smoothly from start to finish, helped along by an enthusiastic and friendly, mostly retired staff. Following the customary inaudible prize ceremony, during which I went to feed the ducks and swans in the adjacent lake, I sneaked out of the grounds as part of a historical procession and soon found myself cruising home, reflecting on a most unusual day. Odd thoughts raced through my head. Was that really so painful? Was I really starting to enjoy an automatic gearbox? Oh, and where did I put that little bottle of whiskey? Hmm. There is very little that is logical in the whole process of life. And the best that we can hope for is that in the long run, we discover something that fills our time by bringing us together with other like-minded individuals. The language of deceit, notes and extracts. <laughs>